<laughs> Happy birthday, everyone, and welcome to this episode of Haunting University, a podcast to help you make the home haunt of your dreams. Coming to you from the Rocky Mountain Home Haunter Studios. I'm John Schultz. I'm Keone Hutton. And I'm Leslie Reed. More or less. <laughs> Today is currently special... less. <laughs> hey, that's your nickname. I like that. So today is a but, um... special. <laughs> wow, I just got that. Okay, yeah, we're done here today. Awesome. And Leslie will call it a day. <laughs> You're on the intro. People will know you were here. That's all that matters. People download and don't listen anyway, so it's okay. Anyway, so today is actually a very special episode of Haunting You. Yeah, I find um, it unusual that you uh, started the podcast with Happy Birthday, considering uh, several episodes we started with Happy Birthday uh, and had a like, 10-minute deviation from our topic because of it. We always have a 10-minute deviation. Irrelevant. It's tradition. We never have a 10-minute deviation. They always run longer than that. Fair point. <laughs> but why, John? Why? So today is a very special episode of Haunting University because it marks the one-year anniversary of the podcast. We have now been around for one year. Huzzah! Cue applause. And there was much rejoicing. So <laughs> we haven't been kicked off the air. No one's filed any lawsuits against us. So I think it's been a pretty productive year. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we've got uh, 11 episodes out now and 11 episodes in 12 months when we we're trying to do a once-a-month podcast. Uh, not bad. I'm... Not bad. Here's here's to I take, us. I take that. Wait, are we drinking again? Hang on. I am. You are. Wait, am I drinking? If you're not, then you should start. Hmm. It's, get out the champagne. Give me a few minutes, then. So anyway, so we want to thank everyone who's listened, who's downloaded, who's sent us any questions or comments, or basically just taking the time to give us give us any feedback and. And again, thank you for listening. We it, we really do appreciate it. It's we do put a lot of work into these, so it's it's nice to know that we're appreciated and that someone's listening. So thank you from the bottom of our black hearts. Those of us that have them. Because yeah, I don't have a, well, no, I have a heart. I don't have a soul. <laughs> Wait, John's you a redhead. I thought he didn't have the soul. Well, no, no, no. Le that is by birth. Leslie sold hers for Skittles, if I recall correctly. Ah. Uh. Sure. No, jelly beans. My bad. Jelly beans. Jelly beans. Probably. Definitely probably, jelly beans. Yeah, most likely. Mm. Okay, wait. You have a soul? More than you. Well, <laughs> that's not saying much. <laughs> exactly. It's <laughs> not saying much. I'll take what I can get. <laughs> so we spent the last year building up our Hunter's Ghoul Box, if you will, of tips, tricks, and techniques that we've used in the past to... Uh, help us create our haunts. And uh, we hope that uh, you've been able to take some of those and create uh, your own haunts, apply it to your own haunts. But now uh, that we're past our one-year anniversary, we really want to start looking forward instead of looking back. And we are going to start designing our next haunt live on the podcast. And by live, I, of course, mean pre-recorded, <laughs> which is still better than dead. I take Unless you're doing that, a graveyard. Well, at that point, you'd want it to be dead. And, you know, this is a haunter, so maybe we should be recording it dead? We've had this discussion. Continue. We have. We have. And, I've... I mean, enough of us feel dead tonight that uh, I think we can we can just move forward with that. Yes, we're recording like... this dead. Wow. At least half dead. Yeah. Mostly right. dead. Right. Which is still partially alive. So 
We, we, have... we record this podcast in various states. <laughs> Inebriated, dead. <laughs> so, yeah. we're, we're also recording it in May, and we're not releasing it until July. So, I mean... There was episode two or three where I was on a fair amount of paid medication. So, I mean, yeah, it's... It's pretty good. And for what it's worth, I think the episodes have improved in quality since you got off the pain medication, so take that as you will. Agree to disagree. Fair enough. So we're facing a number of challenges in <laughs> uh, in trying to prepare for this haunt. Uh, first and foremost among them is that uh, we're not planning for this year's Halloween. Okay, I guess that's I not really say, a challenge. In fact, if anything, that's, that helps That's a us. good thing. That gives us even more time to <laughs> plan. gives us plenty of time. I suppose yeah. it's more of a precursor to I have no word um, forewarning disclaimer it's a disclaimer disclaimer it is, is a not disclaimer for this year to all listeners we are not planning this for this year we are planning this for well in part the next, 15, next 10 years and in whole really the next 15 years to combine everything all together once you are no longer spending half of your time at sea Halloween 19! Woo! That is what you call a long-term plan. Yes, yes. Um, so basically the reason we're cool. doing this is we have uh, this grand vision to one day take our haunts pro. Um, and that cannot happen while I'm still in the military. As we discussed in episode 10, uh, I have like 11 years left on my contract. <laughs> Loosely you... using the word contract. Um, Only because you will not listen to reason about my ideas about your dishonorable discharge, but we can get into that right. another time. Yeah. That's a, that's a discussion for another time. Uh, the pension works uh, very heavily into my plan for a haunted house, so uh, that's, that's going to be necessary. But anyway, uh, so we are starting, so our ultimate plan is 11 years from now we'll be able to open a professional haunt. Professional for-profit or for-non-profit? For profit, definitely for profit. There may be that many. Very Scrooge, very <laughs> Scrooge of you right there. There will Scrooge definitely, McDuck. yeah, there will definitely be uh, probably non-profit haunts along the way, uh, but for but the ultimate goal is to one day make this a for-profit haunt. So our plan for the next eleven years is to slowly build it out, uh, building micro haunts of each of the different rooms or each of the different sections of um, the ultimate haunt that we want to create so that come year 12 we can just put it all together and we have a a fully sized uh, haunt that is worth people coming out and paying $20 for or something. We'll see what haunts go for but in 11 years. Well, and the other, you know, again, we discuss micro haunts, so you, you, if you listen to our 10th episode, you have an idea of what we're discussing and the reasons behind it. The other thing that this does is we get a chance to test each and every room or each and every scare and scene of the larger haunt, so we have feedback as we want to go ahead and build out. It spreads the cost of building a full-scale haunt out considerably because it can get very, very expensive very, very quickly. Very much so. Yep. So by spreading it out over 10, 11 years, we are exponentially mitigating the costs and um, the upfront costs of doing all of that and getting a hell of a lot more experience in how this works, how we want it to work, um, and figuring out what does and doesn't work along the way. 
exactly. Leslie and I had the privilege of attending a a couple talks at the West Coast Hunters Convention by Mr. Leonard Pickle of Hauntrepreneurs.com. This is a man who has been in the industry for 40-some years, uh, has designed more haunted houses than I have, than years I've been alive, and um, just was a vast wealth of knowledge. But the single biggest takeaway I took from each of his talks was the number one reason haunts fail in their first year is because they don't have enough money to make it to their second year. And that can be for a couple of different reasons. That can be from poor budgeting. That can be from no budgeting. That can be from um, not sticking with the budget that you have. Uh, that can be from going way too big, way too fast without having the knowledge behind it. Um, so it's not just they didn't make it, they didn't make enough money. There's a lot of things that you can do. Uh, I mean, Halloween, you, you see these haunt, haunts pop up and they are very well attended and you can make money off of them if you are managing everything from start to finish carefully and what a lot of people don't consider is um, the haunting season typically is only about four maybe five weeks long um, mm -hmm. and you have to get through the the other 11 months of the year based on what you're doing in that 11 weeks so because most of the investment happens in that first year and you need the most capital at startup during that first year it's unlikely, it's possible, but extremely unlikely you're going to make a profit that first year. You have to have enough money saved for storage costs, for paying uh, your permanent staff, whatever expenses you have over the rest of those 11 months for storing your haunted house for 11 months until the next season. And then potentially you can start making money then because you did all of the investment, all the capital uh, for all the capital investment the previous year, you have that already and now you can just start raking in um, profit off what you did the previous year. It's kind of like distilling whiskey. <laughs> An interesting. Luckily, it doesn't take 12 years before you can actually start selling your product. I, for one, you mentioned management or mismanagement of the budget. I foresee a lot of conversations over the next 11 years with no K. You can't have that. But that's why we're spreading it out over 11 years because maybe I can. Well, or again, you. <clears throat> figure out how to make it work and you know budgeting is there's a lot of different ways to budget there's a lot of different ways to build um budgets to manage them to spread out the costs not just on as i'm an accountant so stop me if i'm getting way too technical <laughs> this is all i do every day um there's a lot of things that we can do to plan this out and make it effective and efficient for what we're trying to do, what resources we have available, what experience we have available. Um, there really is, again, what do you want to do? How do you want to do it? And being very, very strict with yourselves of acknowledging your limits. Yeah, exactly. Absolutely. Well said. So where do we start? Well, if you have listened to any of our previous episodes and I hope if you're listening to episode 11 that you have listened to some of our previous and episodes. And if not, go back and listen to some of <laughs> There's some fun stuff in there. Exactly. Just... There's actually a lot of stuff in there. We've, I mean, again, we've done 11 episodes. They're each about an hour long. So that's, <laughs> that's 11 hours of 
what we've done, what we've learned, and what we plan to do going forward, which is really where this episode starts. Check, check out. Just go ahead and click that subscribe button. That would, that would be super. <laughs> where would they go to subscribe, John? Well, I believe they can subscribe on iTunes, Stitcher, and Podbean. All true. All true. <laughs> Hauntingyou.podbean.com if you need help to find it. Or on the Podbean or iTunes apps. So, so soulless. But that's right. <laughs> We've already determined that none of the three of us have much of a soul. Indeed, indeed. And I got jelly beans out of the deal. (laughs) (laughs) See, this isn't fair. I was never given anything to sell. That's true. uh, You know, we all have our crosses to bear. At least you can say I never sold myself. Bow chicka bow wow. (laughs) (laughs) So, for those listening, just imagine me with facepalm. (laughs) <laughs> just yeah so where do we start of course the um the thing that will ground us in all of our planning we need a story again as we've discussed it's the best place to start yeah so what story do we want to tell john go what we talked about and you guys did a great job coming up with this story while you were in traffic you say <laughs> oh no it was in traffic there was no traffic we simply weren't moving it, it was a <laughs> Uh, a traffic jam. No, no, it wasn't even a traffic jam. Stand it was just still? everybody. It was a standstill. Yes. We on, a, a on a two lane highway. We were in a traffic line on a two lane highway. Just a big skinny parking lot. Yeah, basically. Huh, very nice. But we have, um, you guys were able to take some time, which you had ample of, um, <laughs> and take a look at what we want to do for going into our first haunt. And we decided on the theme Patient Zero, so which is a combination asylum, sanitarium, and then zombie apocalypse. Exactly. Exactly. I have seen beautifully done asylums. I have seen beautifully done uh, zombie outbreak apocalypse type things. I like to think one of our micro haunts was a beautifully done zombie apocalypse outbreak. Um, I got a chill Beautiful, beautiful maybe stretching a little bit, but it was a lot of fun. So, But I've seen oh, very... Zombie with a double tap, still jumping out of a car? That's beautiful. That, that, that is beautiful. Your makeup was fairly beautiful. Yeah, I can still hear that girl screaming. Indeed, indeed. Anyway. My <laughs> poor sister. Anyway, I've seen the two um, stories done very well separately. I've never seen them put together. And I think it would be a lot of fun for... Um, for our guests to go through the storyline all the way from patient zero bites someone uh, and they uh, have to now escape from an asylum uh, full of both insane people and uh, zombies, brand new zombies. Do you know, happen to know if like Russell Brand is available for patient zero? I mean, we have a year. <laughs> You're in charge of finding that out. You get a, get, you get a contact his people. You, you came up with that idea that is yours to run with. That is not encouraging, but I'll see what I can do. Fantastic. So how's our so we have our basic idea for our story. Let's walk through it. What's uh, what are how do where do we go? How do we start? Before I think before um, when the guests first arrive, when our patient when our patrons not patients when our patrons first arrive. Oh, um, there'll be patients within time. <laughs> Wow, you went there really quick. That did not take long. 
There was no hesitation. Did you expect it to take long? No, I'm just, just saying. Okay. Yeah, so our patrons arrive, and they, of course, have to buy, they have to get tickets and are probably in some kind of a queue. This is an excellent place to uh, give backstory before they even start entering the haunt. So, how do well, we... It, Go I'm going to say, I'm opening it up to you guys. How do we uh, present the backstory in a way that makes sense, starting at the queue? So for me, one of the hardest things thinking about a haunt, especially as someone who, again, ironically, has never actually been to a haunted house and has no interest in going through a haunted house. Okay, cut that out. Noted. <laughs> um, I look at this in terms of cinematography. And you watch a film and you get all these little pieces of information. You watch a horror movie and you start to see, oh, it's an asylum. You see the, the doctor's notebook. There's going to be a page open that has all these, you know, random insane scribblings or you know, experiment descriptions. And you think Dr. Frankenstein, you see the notebook, you see the laboratory, you see all of these things. Um, well, all of those details are going to be missed and are completely useless for the most part to put into a haunt because the patrons aren't going to have the time to actually sit and look and Exa read what's on a page. Exactly. So, the people are, once they get inside the haunt, they're going to be moving very quickly because they're frightened. Uh, and we don't want to do, business. and we don't want to do anything that interferes with their ability to continuously <laughs> move forward. Otherwise the people behind them will be, uh, running into groups in front. So well, you, you ruin your throughput. You, you ruin a lot of your, your, your feel atmosphere as soon as things start to slow down exactly inside the haunt is speed in the queue that's where you can take advantage of something slow and if um, we're talking about cold hard math i mean if it takes one person 30 minutes to get through your haunt your profits are going to be pretty low yes yeah and again throughput big big important thing when budgeting and designing. So the queue is really where you set up the, this doctor's kind of insane, but is clearly trying to do good. Uh, you find out, kind of get that idea, put in your head that he's probably experimenting on his patients. There's some history and rumors, news articles about this hospital um, and things that go on when they, you know, in, in the past or currently, those are all the things that you start to set up in the queue and that way you know you have kind of images of news articles on the walls so they can kind of sit there and read you set up the you know sections of, of the doctor's notebook um, all of those little visual cinematography type details you can put in the queue for people to get these ideas that something is wrong something's more wrong than just it's an insane, it's a, it's a haunted asylum. There's something more going on here. All of that anxiety can be set up in the queue. Exactly, exactly. Um, I talked a little bit in our last episode, episode 10, about um, the book that's become my Bible for designing haunts, One Little Spark, uh, Mickey's Ten Commandments and the Road to Imagineering. So Disney's um, Ten Commandments when they're designing new um, everything. And... Or commandment number three really uh, really leads itself to what we're talking about. It's called uh, organize the flows of people, organize the flow of people and ideas. And the example they use in the book is the queue at uh, the Indiana Jones ride at Disneyland. Have you guys been there? No. Yes. The last time I was at Disney World, I was ten. 
And it was world, not land. Uh, to be fair, world is nowhere near as awesome as land. Just saying. But. Goddamn heathen. Okay, take that back. I have been to Disneyland. <laughs> I was like six months. Yeah, that's fair. So <laughs> um, what they're talking about is, um, so here's how they describe it. The Indiana Jones queue begins outside alongside the Jungle Cruise, an appropriate mood-setting pathway of lush trees and vines and jungle sounds. The 50,000-square-foot show building housing the Temple of Doom is your destination, and a queue part of the queue experience. It is a half-mile-long queue. Let me say that again. It is a half-mile-long queue. But you don't realize it's a half-mile long, because the whole way that you're um, walking along this queue, you are um, already fully immersed in the story so the first place you start is outside the temple of doom um and as you make your way uh to approach the temple then you actually get inside and you see the explorers encampment uh you see like leslie's talking about uh some hastily put together desks with notes and uh sketches diagrams maps all put together for uh, what the explorers have found inside the temple so far. As you get a little further, you see certain places that they have started to excavate. You see uh, the ropes and places that are boarded up, warning signs. Then at one point, there's a newsreel that gives you uh, some backstory on the temple. It's set up like a 1930s uh, news shot uh, with an announcer doing voiceover of um, the explorers and Indiana Jones going into the temple, disappearing, um, and you never see him again. Um, so everything that's happening here is immersing the patrons in the story before they ever get on the ride. So once they get on the ride, they have all of this in their minds and, uh, finally are able to connect all of the little things that they're seeing in this three minute ride that happened very, very quickly. Uh, they're able to put it all together into a co cohesive story because they have all the backstory from the queue. Yeah, so that's, and again, that's that's where to start. And that also, for me, that's the little details of the, are, 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 that's, the that's the fun part for me. I so, like the little details. I like coming up with them, how to write this so that it's, you're give, again, you're giving them pieces of the puzzle mm -hmm. so they can start to see an image, but it's not really clear until they're dumped in the middle of it and they go, oh, shit zombies exactly exactly <laughs> so what makes sense for a queue for an asylum because at this point we're not into the zombies yet it's just people visiting an asylum can we go back really quick sure so and i know i'm gonna get an eye roll from both of you but one rolling eyes <laughs> i haven't started yet but one Great example of this for any of you that are familiar with the Arkham Asylum series from Telltale, or from, well, from Telltale, but from also from Rocksteady. Enormous eye roll. Yeah, there it is. I have to roll my eyes. Continue. Fair enough. But they do a, it's like Leslie said, it's, it's about setting the details and making it subtle enough so that's, you know, not a giant neon arrow pointing at something, but it's subtle enough and mysterious enough that you, they want to know more. They want to keep going, but they're also having that un unsettling feeling grow as they go. Although, Sorry. to be fair, a giant neon arrow would work really well as a uh, a weenie. So, 
For more discussion on weenies, see episode 10. And if you need a rope to hang yourself with, you can use mine after I'm done with it. But... I mean, if you want, if you, I mean, if we're just going to go full obvious, we could just have monitors with Akbar screaming, it's a trap. Over and over and over again. <laughs> I mean, how it's a trap. We were, we were going subtle, but I mean, how blatant do we want to be here? Uh, I mean, that's certainly an option. However, it would violate Mickey's eighth commandment. <laughs> oh, sorry. Seventh commandment. Tell one story at a time. So maybe in as two they're weeks, leaving, I can work something. Actually, I can because I've already started to write the backstory of the Doctor, and it really would be easy to put in an Admiral whose name is Akbar, who constantly says, "Oh no, we're walking into a trap." It's a trap. I think the problem is if we are making this for profit, we may. I'm, I'm going to maintain the spelling. Stay <laughs> one, tell one story at a time. So, Dr. Skipper is exactly, it tastes exactly like Dr. Pepper. The can is the same color, but it's still just a little. (laughs) It's just a reference. People will get it. We could just put it on a monitor as they're leaving. It's a trap, just to be a smartass about it. (laughs) In case you missed it, it's a trap. Yeah, in case you didn't realize already. Thanks for coming. So, back to our queue. Um, I mean, what makes sense for a asylum? I'm thinking, like, doctor's waiting room, honestly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or maybe even... Well, well go ahead. The doctor's waiting room. Um, the other thing that you could do is, uh, especially if we have an outside start-out, is you're walking up to the asylum, kind of like what we did with Arkham, where you walk Ooh. by the yard. You walk, And so maybe there's um, old foreclosure posters on it with that are half ripped off because obviously it's an operating asylum now it's no longer foreclosed but you can start putting you know here's here's a news article that someone posted with you know red paint on it saying don't come here from 10 years ago you have the the newly reopened under new management sign and then you kind of walk in you get to the waiting room where there's you know here's the doctor's information that they're, you know, want to try and advertise is here's why I'm, I'm helping people. Yeah. We could, I mean, we can totally like do like, um, posters of the latest treatments <laughs> hanging up on the walls. This is like Arkham Two. Well, the <laughs> video game portion, that's like Arkham to a T. It's funny, but no, I mean, I think that's, I like it. You could, I mean, it depends on how, like this is, I'll just steal another example that, going into the beginning of the asylum and I like Leslie's thought maybe if we're going outdoor you can certainly just again make, give them some subtle clues like something is wrong something is definitely wrong here well um, you set ahead. up you know depending on where we have the buy the tickets you can have the outside you walk in so they're already starting to get that before they've even bought their tickets they get into the front desk buy their tickets, get ushered into the waiting room. And then that's kind of the immediate precursor to getting started on the haunt. But so back, again, back up, back it's up. incorporated. So I'm, I'm taking notes as you guys are talking. Um, I think we, <laughs> I think having them buy tickets at the front desk is too late. I'd rather have them buying tickets outside the haunt and then using the approach to the haunt as part of the queue. To the approach to, to the to asylum. That. Fair enough. To to add to that, what if we had them 
purchasing the tickets from one of the attendants dressed in a amphibious type headgear with a white admiral's uniform screaming it's a trap <laughs> it's a trap <laughs> too too much or <laughs> i'm just gonna pretend you didn't say that <laughs> so they're i think they're um they're buying tickets at the gate like a creepy, spooky looking gate. Oh, it would, it, I mean, it would have to be a creepy, scoopy, a blah, 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 <laughs> yeah, blah, blah. Looking gate. Say that three I times just... fast. <laughs> scooby looking gate. Creepy, scooby looking gate. Creepy, scooby looking gate. What does a scooby looking gate look like? I'm pretty know. sure like a large brown spotted great gain with a sandwich. That, that's what I was thinking. <laughs> 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 yes, that's exactly what it's going to be. <laughs> That's also not a bad idea. Do we just want to have like a great Dane and a like, no guy with a beard and a no. green t-shirt just wandering around randomly? No, hmm, kind of like that idea. Because they always this... because they always reveal that the bad guy is not a monster. He is a old white guy. But what if he was a monster? This is where then they'd be wrong. Damn it! As... It is always an old white guy. right. Put it in as a hidden Mickey on every single one of these. <laughs> it's a hidden Mickey. Something about you... slipping someone a Mickey. I don't think that is. You've never heard hidden Mickey's? <laughs> I'm joking. Okay. That, that's I'm another thing. For a that's another thing Disney does, where um, they put uh, the shape of Mickey's head in like all of their movies, and um, it's a it's become a contest among people to see how many they can find in all the new movies. Yeah. Kind of like how oh. there's a pineapple in every episode of Psych. Exactly. Well, yeah, it's 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 the running gag. It's it's the hidden Mickey's. It's these subtle, tiny little references to other things that entertain us and may or may not entertain somebody else when they see it. But more than that, it could potentially be um, a hook to get people to come back and go through several times. You know, if we even advertise uh, that we have all of these like hidden jokes uh, throughout, it'll encourage people to go looking for them multiple times. Mm-hmm. And again, depending on where you put them, you can make them where it's somebody's, you know, in their room and has a picture in, in their cell screaming, banging their head against the wall. And right next to them is a picture of, you know, say Scooby-Doo. <laughs> but again, it's something that we can do for fun that we know exactly where everything is. And, you know, who walks out and, and who saw Scooby-Doo? Who, who was like, wait, was that? Is that what I think it was? I like, see, I like that. Wow, and I'm looking through. I'm literally... Oh, yeah, sorry. Hawaii witch doctor, old white guy. Spirit of the castle, old white guy. The creeper, old the white only guy. Wow, one that's short, old white guy. Pretty much the only one that's not is Mystery Incorporated and Big Bad. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Wow, I think that's the only one that doesn't qualify is um, Grumpy Old White Guy. Well, every single one. I, then you you really it. never noticed this? No. I don't see color, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> the Simpsons are yellow, by the way. Sweet Jesus, there's not, there's not even any women. They're just all old. Oh, my God. All right. Oh, I'm, gl I'm glad we could down. open your eyes. I'm glad we could open your eyes to the truth. Every single one. <laughs> Sorry, John. So, the old white dude's fault. so we're outside the <laughs> asylum. 
Um, people buy tickets at the gates and then through the queue, how they work their way up to the asylum and into the doctor's waiting room. Depending how long the line is, they may or may not have uh, time to take in all the detail. But uh, this is where we start incorporating details on the backstory. So we have like posters of the latest treatment on the walls. Um, what were the, what was the things you were talking about outside the asylum list? Um, posters foreclosed, uh, newspaper articles with red paint don't go here because the newspaper articles about all of the creepy, weird things happening at the asylum. Um, notification op- reopened under new management. Ooh, See I the like latest that. treatment by doctor. We haven't named him yet. Um, so again, things that show. This is a haunted asylum. There's some backstory and history to it. There's weird things happened here anyway. It was closed down. It was shut down. This guy's come in. He has new ideas. He's reopened it. He's trying new things. I like it. I like um, it. We don't necessarily know what those are, uh, but new things. So something different, but you still have that backstory of haunted, creepy asylum. So backstory, uh, the asylum was closed down. In the past, uh, and has been reopened with um, a new doctor attempting revolutionary. <laughs> Gee, I wonder what activity K is doing over there. Treatments. I told you I'm taking notes. <laughs> I don't know. No, it's okay. Would you be opposed to. I, could st- I had to mute myself. I couldn't stop laughing. Would you be opposed to Tracy Morgan calling someone a white devil drop right there? Honestly, I'm not sure. I'll try it. <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't do that. <laughs> anyway, sorry. <laughs> I seriously, you've watched Scooby-Doo for how many decades and you never realize that it's always the grumpy old white dude's fault? Well, I, I, I suppose I noticed. I just, I, I suppose I just figured they'd sprinkled in a woman or a black person or I, somewhere. Just the, yeah, it's the only TV Scooby- show that's gotten it right. Scooby has been around for 50 years. I assume they sprinkled in one or two here and there. <laughs> Apparently, I was mistaken. <sighs> okay, I'll send you the link to that drop. I don't know if you want to use it or not. But Fair enough. Way. Fair enough. Um, so we've got the backstory. Um, eventually, they're going to work their way into um, some sort of waiting room, and that's where uh, they really enter the haunt. And I mean, we could even put like, um, we could st- totally steal Disney's newsreel idea, put that in the waiting room, and that's the last thing people see right before they go in. I mean, I like that idea. Well, Maybe. that kind of depends on what era we're doing. That why? Mm. Actually, well, that's a, okay, that's sure. There has to point. be there has to be film, yes, but <laughs> beyond be that, film. <laughs> you if have this to is at least 1930s. be in. Yeah, we have to at least be in the 1900s to to do any sort of functional film reels. Good point. Good point. Um, uh, when was the when's the heyday of uh, classic asylum? Historian, I'm bouncing this one to you. Really depends, but for <laughs> honestly, we're talking industrial revolution. We're talking the 1800s. How late? Uh, late but how late? Late 1800s, they started to do for experimenting on patients. Uh, see, this is where it gets really 
not only do you get into some fuzzy gray areas of history, you get into some fuzzy gray areas of science, and then you get into the we really don't want to do anything post. We really don't want to do anything post World War II. I would say even whole, post World War One is, whole, is a little bit iffy. Yeah, I wholeheartedly agree. Uh, we definitely don't want to go as far forward as post World War Two. Um, when say, when was Edison be, doing his stuff? Oh, God. You want me to do Edison? Now I really have to look stuff up. Edison and I Tesla would say, both. Honestly, turn of the century is really where we're going to get a lot of um, a lot of flexibility because okay. you have, and, and that's for a couple of different reasons. Uh, the backstory I started writing: you have the expansion of the world, um, so a lot of world travelers, a lot of doctors traveling around, a lot of people getting drug into um, situations that they would never have initially gotten themselves into. Um, okay, so we're talking like Industrial Revolution. Yeah, I, I'm kind of thinking, I would honestly do kind of turn of the century, late 1800s, like 1890s. Um, 1890s, 1880s. So Edison was 1847 to 1931. Okay, so that would work. That would actually work out well if we were to uh, time it around the 1890s. Yeah, and that gives us A, the... Um, <laughs> The practices for treatment of the mentally ill, what defines as mentally ill, is still absurd enough to take us out of the realm of misconstruing what mental illness actually is, which, again, one of the comments was uh, made at the uh, the convention about how if you really want to piss everybody off, do do an asylum. (laughs) They're right, Uh, especially if you try and do something modern, but by putting it back in history where Treatment of patients was poor at best, brutal, um, and awful uh, at worst, and more so. Again, you're working within historical context where the fact that a doctor is experimenting on patients and, you know, theoretically basically turning them into zombies um, makes sense in terms of things that were being done in the effort to quote-unquote fix or help people that society determined were broken. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, I I think you've you really nailed it on the head. Um, it, I think that would make it a lot more palpable to modern audiences. And come on, everything zombies are always a modern thing. Why <laughs> not have it? <laughs> Why not have you know Victorian era zombies? That I, that, I think that would just be so much fun. That being said, I refuse to so, go into steampunk. There will be no steampunk zombies here. I know here. there's going to be no steampunk and zombies. I'm not saying we should do steampunk and zombies. Just saying, <laughs> setting setting our limits. I, I I will take my steampunk and and, and love <laughs> steampunk and, and put it elsewhere. Fair enough. Okay. Yeah. Are Are you okay? We, we, we've had this discussion about. You need a minute. No, I'm good. Have you seen Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? I Not haven't, yet. but I think I'm probably going to have to now, just to. <laughs> That's pre- it's a pretty good example of exactly that of Victorian era Victorian zombies. Era zombies. Uh, mm-hmm. Um, slight side note. Pride and Prejudice, not technically Victorian era. I don't know if they actually did Victorian for that movie. I'm pretty sure there aren't actual zombies in the original book either. I'm fairly certain well, of that. That part aside, if we're, if we're going to talk, you know, Pride and Prejudice, that's way earlier. Yeah. Well, I mean, it, was, that... written, it was written in 1813, so so it's published really more like before the 1700s. Yeah. 
um, we're, we're definitely not Victorian era for that. Okay, but it may aside, still be worth a uh, it may still be worth a a watch just for inspiration's sake. There yeah. you go. Agreed. It's been on my list of something kind of. Okay, so we've discussed the queue ad nauseum, I think. Um, let's get into the rest of it. So we know how we're going to set up our backstory. We have some of our um, some ideas on how we're going to present that to the guests. Um, let's get into the actual story of the haunt now. So people are starting off in. They're making the approach to the asylum. They are make their way all the way up to uh, the doctor's waiting room. Where do they go from there when we let them actually into the haunt proper? So in the initial discussions, we kind of did a combination of um, a guided haunt that then turns into an unguided haunt, where basically the doctor is the guide with kind of the concept that we were playing with is the patrons or the guests are there really to, you know, consider considering this asylum as, as a place to stick a family member or friend. Um, because again, you ask anybody, if you could stick anybody in an asylum, who would you put? Pretty much everybody will think of somebody and go, yep, that one. <laughs> um, so essentially the idea was that the doctor is initially taking them around and kind of showing them the facility. Um, yeah. you know, his, his first, the, the first, what did I write? Wait, wait, let, let, let's, let, I want to talk about that because the more I've thought about it, the more concerned I am about that plan. Okay. Um, I'm a little I'm concerned about maintaining throughput by having a guided tour at the front. And I know we can mitigate that a little bit by having multiple doctors who are able to give the tour, um, but that increases the number of trained actors we have to have on any given night to perform that role. Okay, so here's another suggestion. They meet the doctor. He says, oh, oh, I'm so busy right now. Something's come up. I'm so sorry I can't take you around. Please feel free to walk through. And that way they've at least I been think introduced that... to the doctor. And then he leaves. And again, that kind of heightens that something's sure. not quite right here. Actually, that's, that's pretty awesome because that's something we can do right there at the very end. Rather than uh, making the last room of the queue a waiting room, we can make it the doctor's office. Which is, again, we can have a lot more of his, his notebook is sitting out on the table. Sure. He's, you know, knocked something Bloody over. tools off. or something. Yeah, there, there's a lot of things that we can set up in there that are just small visual cues that something's not quite right here. Um, and it looks like it's going to get worse. Yeah, so the doctor explains he is unable to provide the tour as planned. However, they are welcome to walk around... And explore, but don't go to the West Wing. I was just going to say, maybe he can give them some sort of cautionary warning or something. Yeah, but avoid the West Wing. Which, of course, what else would they do except go to the West Wing? Right. Well, not well, yet. Well, we're going to force that. We're going to force them to go to the West Wing. <gasps> yeah, okay. That's awesome. I like that. I feel much better about that plan. Thanks. Uh-huh. Okay, so we let them in, and... Um, um, they're now walking down the hallway. They're walking down a hallway in an asylum. Um, where does this hallway lead? Essentially, I think it should lead to kind of the doctor's first success story, which um, turns out is not quite as successful as he thought it was. <laughs> I was wondering about that while reading the notes. <laughs> I was like, success story and head falling apart, not two things you usually read in the same sentence. <laughs> Well, it depends on how you define success. True, but... 
just, just throwing but that. But in this case, you know, gestures. Oh, go down this hall. First, first one is is my 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 greatest success story. And they end up finding this lobotomy patient whose head is now falling apart and is shouting bloody murder and mumbling something about the West Wing. So that's kind of the first. Everything looks fine, and then jumps to the bars, starts shaking him. Head piece of the head comes away, exposing you know the lobotomized brain, and that's kind of the first. Okay, this is supposed Ooh. to be a success story. What the heck's going on? <laughs> Wait, this is the best he could do? <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, already implanting that nugget of what the hell is going on? Sorry, we have to make it the. You have to make it sinister because it could be he's doing some really sick things here or man, this dude is just a truly horrible doctor. Well, that's why, well, okay, that's fair, but that's why, uh, we have, um, through makeup, the lobotomy patient's head, like brain is falling out of their skull. Maybe, uh, the patient could even like grab a piece of it and hurl it at the window or something. Um, well, and it's also, this is where everything looks fine initially. And it looks, and he looks like a calm, <laughs> lobotomized um, patient. So it it initially starts off with everything's fine, mm-hmm. and then all of a sudden, well, and again, you know, it's, it's a lobotomy. You you've cut into the skull. It takes time to heal. So are are we having this patient person in the, the patient interact with them at all, or is this yes? Yeah, this this is to be something like they walk in, they see him, he's you know, you know, calm and mumbling, you know, quiet, calm, lobotomized patient, and then all of a sudden sees the people, fear in his eyes, leaps at them, knocks his head, part of the head falls off, it's damaged. This is now not just a it was a successful lobotomy, but now things have gone wrong, or something is you know traumatized this patient enough that they're not passive lobotomized. What if she's so when you say success story, I'm thinking <laughs> Sorry. I couldn't help it. So when you say success story, are you... So I have a... I'm trying to get to a spot. So is he telling the patients, like, look at this, I've successfully performed surgery on this patient, and he's fine, and I'm sure, you know, the dialogue would be much better, but and he's fine, no issues. Yes, I mean, that, I mean that that's you know the doctor's not going to be there, so it's all going to be set up with what he says right before we let them into the haunt, and so um, that's the impression that the doctor is giving us or giving the guests when they come in. So, but it's but it's an impression. Well, and it's also they don't never see they would never see what that patient was like before. That's true. Well, what if so? I, I was. I'm open either way. I'm just thinking the thing that popped into my head was the doc. Like you said, he's not the doctor won't actually be there for it. But what if he like says something like go in and see, you know, patient, whatever his name is, you know, he's just recently recovering from surgery, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then they go in and actually, if you had the actor, you could shake hands with him, do something and then chat him up. And then all of the sudden, you know, maybe the top part of his head falls off and the brain falls out and then he goes crazy. It just seemed more unexpected. And I, I'm good either way. I'm just throwing it out there. I think if we have someone actually come up and interact with guests in that way, same thing. They're gonna. It's going to. Uh, it creates Slow a stopping down. point. It's to. It, yeah, exactly. It stops the people from moving forward, and that's the one thing we want to avoid doing. Yeah. So this is something where they kind of they walk up, they peer in. 
you get that quick second of, oh, he's calm, he's relaxed, and then immediately after he's attacking the bars, they're jumping back, and he's just shouting about the West Wing. Exactly. This or, is not. We're not going for a huge scare here. It's a. It's just a simple startle scare. This is a. Yeah. This is a ah. really simple, just a jump scare. Where again, doctor says this is a success story. Lobotomized patient should be calm. He was calm. Now he's not. Something more is going on here. Yep. We're we're building up the tension. We're building up the scares. We don't want to start with a huge scare right at the front. We want to slowly build up the tension um, up to that first big scare. Yeah, I, I think the, the taking out the kind of guided, um, as long as they just meet the doctor beforehand, since one of the big things is the doctor gets attacked and eaten. I think we need to scrap that. We don't want the doctor to get eaten? We A doctor gets eaten, not the doctor oh. gets eaten. Oh, okay. Just because I, I think what... Just because I think it's too much work to have two people look the same. So they're meeting him at the queue right before they go in, and then they gotcha. see him again later. Yep. Okay. Um, yeah, but that yeah. being said, the detail—you know—you don't need that much detail to give the impression that it's the doctor being killed. Um, right. As long well, as again, if we dress him the same way and hair color matches, yeah. gender matches, it may be enough to give the impression that it's the same doctor. Well, and again, the the idea is that he's already partially mangled anyway. Right, right. When they see him the you know the second time, so that also helps because he's already partially eaten. That's a good point. I mean, we could easily have it so that it's a a male person dressed the same, same hair color, whose face has already been eaten off. Yeah. And that may be enough to give them the impression. And even if it doesn't, then it's just well, a simple name, as name tag. Name tag on the on the on the doctor's coat. I think that's too fine a detail for people to catch in a couple seconds, unless we make the name tag. Maybe we make the lab coat um, something unusual, generic. You know. That could, and but, actually, this this this, this that um, feeds into kind of the backstory that I had, where this was a guy who was in medical school, you know, from a young age. Got, sh I was having fun. Got Shanghaied. <laughs> uh, during, well this is again you place it in the right era uh -huh. he was shanghai taken to china and then went through and basically you know military western military in china became one of part of the um militias during say like the taiping or during the boxers uh, boxers is a bit late but would have fought, would have, you know, been introduced to a lot of different ideas and cultures that they could then bring back and be like, okay, this makes a lot of sense. Why don't I use this to try and treat people? Mm -hmm. And, you know, co combining that, you know, Eastern, Western medicine into something to try and help people and bringing in a good bit of um, Chinese mythology and monster myth would be so much fun because there's so much there to work with. Um, so that was kind of what I was working with. And then he comes back and, and he's like, oh, okay, I can try all these things and really does have the intent to help people. Um, he just goes a little bit mad in the process. Okay. That's actually pretty good. I, I kind of like the direction you're going there. Uh, but I think the discussion we're having is getting a little too detailed for the story that we're building. Um, yes. So, Let's table this discussion, uh, and we'll discuss it more later. So write down every right. Keep keep I, working. I have his backlog. Awesome. I, I mean, I have it. I have it. It's like two pages before I stopped writing it and realized I don't know if you guys actually like this plan. <laughs> yeah, keep developing um, that, and we'll uh, we'll spend an episode discussing okay. um, 
the backstory there. And with that, like with the distinctive jacket, um, we could literally do a, a Chinese style coat. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that alone would indicate this is the same person. And as long as they're, you know, mutilated and, and damaged, then we can we're cover it. Then we go. can cover it up pretty nicely. Okay. Yeah. I like that. Um, so back to the overall. Um, back yeah, back to the. Uh, the overarching story. The so overarching storyline. So we're up to is... first or for, exactly first scare is the success story. Uh, we have a lobotomy patient whose head is falling apart. Um, should do some screaming about the West Wing, uh, and maybe we see. And, uh, the first, and we walk by we the West first, Wing doors. Exactly, they walk by the West Wing doors uh, as they're leaving the lobotomy patients. Which are, you know, cut they're, off, signs they're on them, chained up. Yeah, they're, they're chained up, there are big signs on it, preventing people from entering. Um, it's completely static, nothing is happening, uh, we're just setting in their minds, oh look, West Wing doors. Agreed. Okay, so, from so there, now we start building we the of... tension up again, or now we start increasing the tension again. Yes. Where to next? Okay. Uh, where to next is I have it set up where they see the small child. <laughs> Nothing says creepy like a tiny little girl in a spooky place where she should not be. Yes, uh, agreed. Well, and again, this is also where the t setting and choosing to do kind of 19th century um, really works because they would have incarcerated um, young children who were deemed to be concerning um so no shouldn't be there except in this era would have been and there would have been a high chance of it yeah i like the little teddy bear idea yeah that was actually i got from um oh which class was that that was an idea from thrift store upcycling oh really i did i missed that one yeah i, I didn't yeah, th go this to that class was, this was from uh, Tiffany Yao, who did thrift store upcycling, making something out of nothing, was her class. And one of the examples she gave us was they had taken a teddy bear and um, basically set it up with an air horn in it. So that way she could squeeze the paw and the air horn would go off. So again, a startle scare. Um, and minus the fact that it took them about three or four tries to get something that didn't um, catch on fire, <laughs> they actually Trial came up error. something that was very, very successful. So that's where I got the idea for the startle scare teddy bear. I just added the head popping off and something else coming out. Um, nice, nice. For the heck of it. I don't know. Air horn and then fireball. That's pretty scary. Although you would need to buy a, buy a surplus of teddy bears. Yeah, I like that. Okay. Um, so again, that that's kind of where you get that, that. Again, this is a haunted asylum on top of being place for other weirdness going on. Mm -hmm. Um. So that was kind of where we went to next. Okay, I like I like it so to, far. On the way to the electroshock room. Yes, electroshock <laughs> therapy, a absolute essential part of any turn of the any. century well, asylum. Mm -hmm. It is expected. And this is a so this is a place um, that was inspired by uh, Brian Boyle's class on uh, his vibrating floor, because when we stood on the floor that he assembled, uh, it gave you the like it was vibrating at such a fast um, RPM that it almost felt like being electrocuted, and so I think this would be an awesome place to incorporate that where we have like a person undergoing electroshock therapy and when the switch gets thrown uh the vibrating floor activates and so all of the guests feel it at the same time 
Yeah. And again, kind of that combination of it's still a rundown hospital, even if it is under new management. Yes, exactly. Um, I think one of the things in there that we, we had discussed was um, trying to set it up where there was kind of a, a visual live looking wire and kind of water on the floor. So kind of that idea of it's jumping, the, electri the, the electricity is jumping from the table to the guests because there's a conductor and a live wire. Yeah. I mean, this is a place where we could use like uh, the um, sparking <laughs> fence. Yeah, effect that we had at Arkham, uh, we can combine it with uh, the, those electric firecrackers. That yeah, I was gonna say the firecrackers would work. Yep, um, and we can get uh, we can put together some uh, what are those things called the two antenna with the arc going between them? Oh, that you um, see in most mad Jacob's scientists. Ladders. Yeah, Jacob's ladders. We could build some. We could build a Jacob's ladder very easily, um, and just <laughs> having that as an no. Just having a Jacob's Ladder there in the room no. as a um, visual magnet would give people the thought of electricity in their minds. So when it goes off, that's where their mind jumps to. Okay, so um, where we see the first success story, we see the small child with a teddy bear just for upping the creep factor and increasing atmosphere, and then they get to the electroshock room, which is the first major scare. Yeah, which is then followed up by We Kill the Doctor. <laughs> yes, and that's where, and so with the killing the doctor is where we really get into, or we start the transition from asylum into zombie apocalypse. Because the doctor isn't just getting killed, he is getting eaten by one of his own patients. Yep. I feel like there's um, a malpractice lawsuit over somewhere. <laughs> I suppose if he's being eaten, not so much. Direct justice? Uh, <laughs> anywho, so after kind of the, the, the doctor gets killed, um, they're still going through the haunt, and then they run into an orderly who is mangled and damaged. Um, and he's the one who says, you have to go to the West Wing, you have to go to the West Wing, and again, points them on. Hold towards... on. I don't think we need an orderly there. I think we can do it just with the hallway. Um, we We have like... Um, the hallway continuing ahead, but it dead ends because of uh, maybe a collapsed wall or something, and so you can't get through. And the only way through is through these doors. We see the West Wing doors again, except now they're wide open, um, and that's the only way that people can go. We just decorate the doors the same way uh, as the West Wing doors we saw earlier, um, so people okay. understand that they're going into the West Wing now. Okay, but I think, again, you know, we've already seen the Doctor get eaten. Let's have an orderly who looks like he's in the process of getting eaten, run oh, sure. out. Totally. Tell them, run, run. They start going um, as the orderly then maybe gets pulled behind a drop panel. Or maybe... Or something comes out of a drop panel to attack the orderly. Or we have the orderly... Yeah, we have the orderly getting eaten in the blocked hallway. That's why the hallway is blocked. Uh, and then we could even have a zombie jump out of a drop panel at the same location. Um to push them toward the West Wing. Okay, yeah, something like that. Something like that. But anyway, so yeah, we're getting too de too detailed into design. Um, but so we have our general story idea there. So, do we want to keep going through the rooms that we're initially kind of started with, or? Yeah. So now we're in the West Wing. I mean, what are we finding in the West Wing? 
so it looks like what we have failed experiments, if I'm seeing that correctly. Yep. Um, I think we should probably have uh, a couple of rattling doors that they're going by. Uh, so this is, they don't see anything, but uh, something's definitely trying to get out. And definitely have atmospheric noises of screaming, shouting, moans, um, etc. Yes, yes, that's actually a, well, we'll get into that more later, but uh, we definitely need a change in uh, the atmospheric sound effects between uh, where they were in the East Wing and now in the West Wing to help so differentiate. You mentioned, you mentioned that. What if they had, like, just again, for atmospheric purposes, really, what if they had, like, either... They walk in, and it's like nice, like smooth jazz or music or a calming welcome to whatever. I'm sure it's not an asylum, but you know, welcome to whatever mental institution. You know, just playing just some nice, like I said, music or an announcement. And then when they get to this point, it's like a PA announcement. You know, everybody run. You need to get out. Something scary and unnerving, and maybe that's like cut off at a certain point by screams or something and then the line goes dead my only concern there is we're looking at the 1890s i think we're really oh shit that's right yeah Ah. you're you're getting out of time period there Mm. i got nothing okay uh so uh they're working their way down the corridor until they finally come to the morgue the morgue and I think what we had, the idea that we had here was we have a, um, there was an actor on the table with all of his organs removed. They're in the midst of autopsy when he reanimated. Well, it was that, or Awkward. there's, um, we had, we had kind of two options. We weren't quite sure. Uh, it's where there's a crazed patient chewing on the corpse that's in the middle of autopsy. I kind of like the idea of, um, the corpse on the table, um, with all of his organs removed and maybe even like limbs removed. Well, and this chewing is where on a doctor. We were kind of discussing um, is the scare because that, that was going to be the redirect was somebody chewing on a corpse, which then kind of pushes them back towards the morgue doors, um, which then open and have somebody crawling out of one of the morgue shelves. Oh, yes, 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 yes. I like that a lot. So, so you're, ta- you're so talking about the, actually the refrigerator doors. Yeah, yeah. Um, so even the, though they the, weren't refrigerators The body back on the then. table being eaten can either be slightly alive or reanimating walls being eaten. Ooh, I like that. <laughs> um, and then that's the redirect to kind of push them back against the refrigerator doors, which then has our scare actor come out and try and get at the, pay- at the guests who are then going to run off towards the back doors. Exactly, exactly. Morgue. Uh, so they uh, le- yeah so they get scared by um, the corpse popping out of the refrigerator they try to they escape from the morgue right into what's next to the morgue the crematorium. crematorium and now we have a really good opportunity for a distraction of a charred corpse that's crawling out of an incinerator this might be a really good place to put an animatronic instead of a uh, an actor uh, because we wouldn't like need a idea. yeah we wouldn't need a lot of movement from a charred corpse trying to get out of an incinerator. Um, and then I could do some really neat backlighting things inside the corpse to suggest glowing embers and such. Well, and again, still alive. So this isn't just, you know, zombie, yay. This is, we're reanimating really, really dead people. (laughs) We're not talking live person got turned into zombie. We're talking extra, really mostly all dead 
and decomposing and completely should not have any ability to retain life coming back to life. Yes, yes. I think that that would do it. So we have the Char Corpse crawling out of the incinerator. This is a great distraction so we can set up uh, some kind of other scare, uh, potentially with a zombie uh, coming from a different angle to uh, scare the guests. Uh, but always pushing them forward, pushing them into the next corridor and the next... Um, the next well, and this one was initially to kind of push them into an outside area where the idea is there have been so many bodies that they, that you know, so many failed experiments that they actually didn't bother to bury them all. And what you have instead is a body pit. And you have zombies trying uh, crawling out of a pit of bodies. That, as far as unnerving goes, that's up there. You're welcome. Like that. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, I like it for the haunt. I'm not going to sleep tonight, but fair That's enough. fair. And I like, I kind of like the idea of having a, uh, a catwalk that goes over this pit and the uh, everybody mm-hmm. zombies reaching up uh, over the sides of the catwalk trying to get at the guests. Because, again, that, it, that sets up this concept of he's been doing this for a really long time. Yes. There have been, yes. Whatever he's trying to do, it has failed very, many, very many times. times. <laughs> to the point where we're not even bothering trying to bury. Um, we're just dumping them in. A, like, we can't even use the crematorium. There's too many. We've just been dumping them into a pit. Yep. Okay, so now they're outside, they uh, get over the pit, and are trying to make it off of the hospital grounds, uh, but of course, uh, where are they putting all these bodies, or at least at first, where were they putting the bodies? They had it, there was a graveyard on the grounds, um, and... Well, and this also goes back to the haunting, it's, it's haunted too, because you had the history, you have a very, very old graveyard, with a few new graves, but you have the, the really, really decomposing <laughs> skeletal like this is now reuniting sure. skeletons. I think we could even go that far. Yeah. Yeah, potentially we could. Yeah. Um, I see no reason. Generic. Well, yeah. yeah. So anyway, but um, they're in the graveyard. We see uh, things emerging from the graves. Um, we have graves. We have stuff popping out of graves. We have uh, zombies walking amongst the graves. Potentially skeletons walking amongst the graves. And. Sure. Um, Constantly chasing people out, so pushing them out. What is what is our last big scare? We need something to sum it all up, though. The, the coup de gras. Yes, exactly. We need a coup de gras to to finish it off. Hmm. I know. I don't have an answer yet, uh, but that's something we need. To, so, <laughs> My only answer wouldn't work because it's the wrong... Well, not entirely the wrong era. What do you think? My my, my initial thought is um, if if this was modern, they'd be running into the CDC saying, I'm sorry, you've been quarantined, you've been exposed. Hmm. Yeah, that's too modern. I don't... That's too modern. No, that's kind of the only thing I could think of um, is you're you're going into quarantine, you've been exposed, um, you, you may have been infected. Hmm. I don't know how we'd work that in really well to a 19th century because they didn't have yeah. that level of organization. It's not that scary. That. And honestly, it's not that scary. It's not either. that scary. No. Hmm. Okay. Okay. So Again, this, so this I, is our I, homework. My mind tends towards cinematic <laughs> way more often. Yeah. But do you want something to end the, do you really want to end the episode with? We don't know. <laughs> but this is, but this episode isn't just, here's what we're doing, but they just got to listen to pretty much the entire process. Like of, Okay, we have an idea, we have a story, we had it kind of sure. outlined out. 
but we've just shown this is how we put these things together. We sit down and we have an outline of what the ideas we've come up with and then we go through them again and we decide, okay, this is where we do. We probably want to add another two to three scares in between all of this anyway. Well, I think a lot of that will start happening as we start designing layout. Uh, right. We'll be able to... There was the great class I took on uh, Hub Haunting that talked about um, how to get multiple scares out of your actors and really how to get or how to run your haunt uh, with fewer actors, um, particularly on those slow nights. But anyway, I think that once we start getting into the design phase of this haunt is when we can really talk about those type items, those type of items. So let me ask you this, and this isn't, I mean, we can't answer it tonight, we can answer it later. So I guess I'm just thinking, so there, they've now seen the things crawling up from out of the pit. They've been chased across the catwalk, things trying to grab them, pull them back in, all this stuff. Yep. So you've now gotten away from all that. So the idea of the escalating scares, what is the worst thing, if this is, well, this is the coup de grace, what actually, is the worst thing you could see? That, that's an interesting question, John. Um, maybe we reorganize a little bit. They escape out into the graveyard. We have the uh, we have the graveyard where uh, we do, we take the scares down a notch. Uh, it's just uh, stuff erupting from out of the graves and the like. Um, and then the coup de gras ends up being the pit. That point, it's be. an idea. Yeah, yeah, I, I have no issue with that. I'm just saying, I like the idea of, I guess that you've been scared completely out of your mind, and then you the, think the the process to get to that spot is, what's the worst thing you can think of? Like, even after all this crap that you've been through, what is the worst thing you can think of? Jurassic Park. You think you, I think we lost him. Wait, that's Godzilla. <laughs> Still, it's both. Girl, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and how did that work out for him? But okay, Kinda so so let's a little bit. Let's let's use it like that then. Uh, they go out into the graveyard. It's come down a notch, and then um, they have to cross over the pit before they can escape the grounds. Okay, I have no issue with that. Yeah, we could definitely see that working. Okay, it's pretty bad. <laughs> so we have our storyline. Yep. Yay. And you guys have just listened to us take a rough storyline um, and kind of work through it and determine what we like, what we don't like, how it fits, how it works, how it doesn't work. Um, and then, you know, again, we will be tweaking this until, well, we'll be tweaking this forever. <laughs> let's be honest. For the next 11 uh, years. That's fine. That's but fine. that's also what it always, is. Yeah. You can always improve. Make adjustments. Yeah, and as we continue going through our planning process, we'll be inviting you along the way, um, every step of the way, so you can um, honestly give us feedback, uh, critique our ideas, help us to make this as frightening as possible. Um, Absolutely. If you want some, if you want to add something, say you know what, this could also work in this section. That that's totally fine. Or hey, that idea is garbage. You can totally do that. Yep. Yep. All it's going to do is give us more ideas, um, so we're not all, uh, we're not operating in the vacuum of the three of our heads, which, as you can tell, the past you know eleven, <laughs> yes, I'm hilarious. Past eleven episodes, um, our heads are not exactly on quite straight. 
<laughs> I think that helps us uh, work better in this industry. I think it does. That's probably more of a requirement. Yeah. But did you guys notice? So we've been doing this for, let's see, an, an hour and 28 minutes. I have not recommended that one time. And there We're so it proud. Is. Thanks, John. I'm not, I'm thank, not thank you for restraining yourself. Yeah, it's our one-year anniversary. I figured I'd do something special. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, so we've got our storyline. Uh, I think it's a good time to wrap up the episode. John, you want to talk about uh, where people can find the rest of our episodes? So, yeah, you can find all of our episodes if you want to get caught up, if you want to go through the process like we do, if you want to just kind of get to know us a little bit, see where we're at and see how messed up we are, too. You can find them, uh, all of our episodes hosted on iTunes as well as Podbean um, and Stitcher. They're also on Stitcher. So you can also find some of our additional content. We release a lot of um, articles. You can find videos that may help you with some of your haunts, a lot of additional content. You can find that at, uh, excuse me, you can find that on Twitter, uh, which our Twitter is at HauntingUniver1, which is Haunting, U-N-I-V-E-R-1. Okay, where can they find us on Facebook? Yeah, you, our Facebook page is facebook.com slash haunting you. That's haunting with the letter U. Excellent. Okay. Well, thank you for coming along on this journey with us. Uh, we have we had a lot of fun tonight. I hope you did too. Give us some feedback. Tell us what you liked. Tell us what you didn't like. Uh, help us improve this idea to make it the, uh, the best haunted house it can be. And, again, from just from this, like I said, we put a lot of work into this podcast, so for everyone who's listening and who's providing feedback, we do thank you. It, it is appreciated. And we, could, we do we take it into consideration. Absolutely. When, when you do offer us suggestions, when you do offer us comments, um, we do think about it. It's not just something that you're, you're writing into a void and nobody's listening. Um, as long as they're constructive criticism, we will consider it. Yeah, you'll Absolutely. see on our Facebook and on Twitter as well, if you write to us, uh, we will respond usually publicly unless there's a reason we can't uh, so that everyone mm -hmm. can benefit from the conversation. Absolutely. All right. Okay, Les, happy birthday. Happy birthday, John. Happy, happy birthday. birthday, Les. I'm excited for where this next year is going to take us. It's going to be fun. The only concern I have with this 11-year plan is I'll probably be dead by year six. If you die, I'm going to kill you. Did you? That's on. That's on tape. She threatened me. Um. No comment. I may All destroy right. the tape. That's really gonna put a crimp in our anniversary episode. Missing eleven seconds. <laughs> <laughs> From all of us here at Haunting You, happy birthday, and happy haunting. Bye, everyone. <laughs> Haunting You is a production of the Rocky Mountain Home Haunters, LLC. All audio clips and sound effects are used under a Creative Commons attribution or public domain license from Purple Planet Music at www.purple-planet.com or the Sound Bible at soundbible.com. Please see our Facebook page for more information on all the clips used in this episode.
Haunting University can be reached via Facebook at www.facebook.com slash haunting you with the letter U. Or on Twitter using the handle at hauntinguniver1. That's haunting, U-N-I-V-E-R-1. Be sure to check out our new page on Podbean at www.hauntingu.podbean.com. I mean, I suppose there technically could be screaming children in the haunt if parents decide to bring their <laughs> children to the haunt and the children start screaming. I think a fair amount of the time, half, half the time with our haunts, they're like, yes, take the children and scare them. I think it's more than mm-hmm. half the time. I mean, <laughs> either the number of parents that I've been high-fived by after staring the pants off their children, <laughs> I've lost count.